Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Promotion to our mind, the formation of our character. In your glory, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, I'd like you to turn uh, here now to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5 or several verses here. Revelation chapter 4 and I just want to read a couple of verses from this chapter and the next chapter and as uh, we've been encouraging you to make sure you read the book through uh, because we don't have that type of time in class. Alright so um, Revelation chapter 4 and we'll go to verse 4. Around the throne were 24 seats and uh, the word seat actually there is the same Greek word thronos or thrones. Uh, the new uh, authorized uh, translates the throne as it should be. And uh, upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And then going down to um, verse uh, six, and before the throne there was a sea of glass, uh, like under crystal. And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four living creatures, a better translation than, than beasts, uh, living creatures full of eyes, before and behind. And the first beast uh, was like a lion, the second beast or second living creature was like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Uh, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day nor night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is, is, is to come. Uh, go down to verse 10. And the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship uh, him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. And then they have their word of praise. Then go down to uh, chapter 5 for a couple of uh, verses here. In verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, a scroll uh, written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seals? And then uh, John uh, was touched by one of the elders uh, to see that the lamb was worthy. Then uh, go down to um, verse 9 and 10. Uh, and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Uh, for you were slain, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, uh, every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And it's made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Um, Alright, I think I'll hold it there just for the moment, just to familiarise uh, yourself with that. Now let's turn in our notes to uh, page 4 and page 5, that's what we need to cover in our first session, and uh, just reminding you again that we can only touch on the high spots in the, in the whole book as we're trying to do uh, this, uh, this week together. 
All right, now, as, uh, as you've got in your notes here, that's why I gave the outline from the text. Uh, this is what we've been looking at. So, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, we have the heavenly door. And we saw how the scene yesterday, we saw how the scene changes from actually a holy place scene. And now John is transported in spirit uh, to the holiest of all, heaven's very throne room. So, uh, that was uh, the heavenly door. Then the heavenly trumpet, same trumpet as he heard in chapter 1, verse 10. So, the same trumpet voice calling him to come up into another level, another realm in the purposes of God. And then uh, yesterday we finished uh, number three, the heavenly one in the throne, and particularly dealt uh, with the throne of God and how uh, that uh, John needed that assurance that God's throne is over all. God is sovereign. He rules in the affairs of heaven and also rules in the affairs of, of men. Now what we want to look at here in our first session, and as I said, just the high spots, I want to touch a little bit on the heavenly elders, the 24 elders, heavenly living creatures, the four living ones, four living creatures, and then a little bit on the sanctuary worship and uh, a few thoughts on this. So we've got a lot of material to cover uh, because we've said we're just uh, only able to cover the high spots. Now, I want you to, uh, uh, you, you can put it in on the right-hand page there, some of these comments. Uh, or over on the left, whatever is appropriate for your notes there. Uh, what, what we have to realize constantly is that John is a, um, is a uh, yeah, let, let me put it this way. All, all the New Testament believers, all the New Testament apostles, those who wrote the word, they, were, they, they lived at what I call the overlapping of dispensations. So, in other words, let's put it this way. Uh, they had been under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, let's say, and then, uh, uh, so their whole minds were saturated with the old covenant economy. So, you know, a little funny I say that, then, you know, I mean, they were used to bells and spells, incense and nonsense. They knew all that. They'd been, you know, under that for years. That's all they knew, the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices. So they're, they're, they've been under the old covenant. And now they've come to Christ and through the cross, they have now passed through the cross of Christ and coming to Christ from the old covenant to the new covenant. So what we have to constantly, maybe you'd like to make a note of the statement here, what the new writer, new covenant writers do, the new covenant writers, they use old covenant language to describe new covenant realities. That is such an important statement in my, it's such a, a key statement to understand the word. So let me say it again. So the new covenant writers, they use old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, but they pass it all through the cross. That's the key. If you can understand, the cross is the key. So let me say that again. So they, they've been under the old covenant for many years. Now they've come to Christ and through the cross, where Jesus fulfilled and abolished the old covenant, they are now new covenant believers. But as new covenant believers, they use old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, but pass everything through the cross. The cross is what we call the hermeneutical filter. So when people say, oh, that's Old Testament, Old Testament. All right, let's go back to the Old Testament and pass everything to the cross. Some things in the Old Covenant uh, are fulfilled and abolished at the cross. Some things from the Old Testament as a whole may pass through the cross into a higher realm, a higher level. So you've constantly got to keep that in mind. So let me say that again. So the New Covenant writers, having been under the Old Covenant, they use Old Covenant language to describe New Covenant realities that pass everything through the cross. The cross is the hermeneutical filter. Everybody understand what I said there? So that's really, it's a really ma a real uh, master key to understanding these things. All right, now. 
What, what we want to look at in these chapters is some of the old covenant language that John is using. And we want to do this uh, in relation to the 24 elders and the four living creatures. All right. Now, the first thing is here, we're going to, uh, uh, on page five, actually, or uh, whatever, whatever, however you're going to do your notes, want to sort of look at the heavenly living creatures and go back to the elders and the heavenly sanctuary scene. That's what we want to blend. All right, now, under the tabernacle of Moses, uh, this is just, you don't have to take this diagram down. Everybody says, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. All right, in the, as we understand the tabernacle of Moses, God put the 12 tribes around uh, round the, the, the tabernacle. So in the center, uh, we're told that the tabernacle law was in the center, was in the midst of the camp, uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So the tabernacle representing Christ was in the midst. And so we have the outer court, as we looked at a bit yesterday, the holy place. Uh, and then we're in the most holy place before the very throne of God. Now, as we understand it, there may be difference of opinion on this. But as we understand it, three of the tribes were pla uh, placed uh, in the east and the north and three in the south and the west. So uh, God looking down on the camp from heaven, as we understand it, that the camp was actually in the shape of the cross. So we have three tribes uh, on each side, so four trees of twelve, the twelve tribes. Now, there are many, many pictures of the, of the four living ones, but uh, according to the Hebrew scholars, uh, around the camp, that all these tribes, they had to gather under their standards. And so uh, that's, that's the idea. On this side, this is what we find, that Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, they gathered under the standard of the ox or the calf, as it's translated here. So four living creatures. Uh, Hebrew scholars say the four uh, symbolic because we know there's no literal animals like, uh, like this in God's zoo, uh, in any zoo for that matter. So they were symbolic. So three tribes gathered under the standard of Ephraim. Uh, so Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin, they were under the standard of the, the ox or the calf. And then three, uh, three tribes on this side of the tabernacle, they gathered under uh, three of them, Reuben, Gad, and Simeon, they gathered under the standard of the man. And then on this side of the camp, under, there was Dan, Asher, and Naphtali, they gathered under the standard of the eagle. And then in the very forefront, uh, facing the east, was the tribe of Judah, Isaac, and Zebulun, and they gathered under the standard of the lion. Moses and Aaron, they were immediately before the tabernacle. So when God looked down on the camp of Israel, the 12 tribes actually gathered under four standards. The lion, uh, the, the eagle, and uh, the man, and the ox. And if you like to put this down in connection with this, these are four kingly creatures. So the lion is king of the beasts. The eagle is king of the birds. So kingship, that's what's being conveyed here, kingship. And then the ox is king of domestic animals, or the calf, the ox, a king of domestic animals. And then man is actually king of creation. So all of them are, are presenting an aspect of kingship. And uh, there's so many things we could say on this, we could spend the whole time on it, but we don't want to. They, they, they also point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Just give you a couple of thoughts on this. We can't spend too much time. But he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and Jesus Christ is the eagle, the heavenly one. 
And Jesus Christ is the Son of Man, represented in the man. And Jesus Christ is the sacrifice. So these four uh, uh, standards, or these ensigns, or these standards under which the tribes gathered, all point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again, uh, they're also a picture of the saints, because the righteous are supposed to be as bold as a lion. And they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up on wings as eagles. We're to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And we're to walk as men and women of God. So there's so many aspects that we could take on these four living creatures. Alright, so gathered under the standard. So ultimate picture of it is that I believe that these four living ones... Oh, let me throw in one other thought. And uh, it, has, it has its weaknesses a little bit. But it is interesting that God has translated four men from earth to heaven. Only four. Enoch. And Enoch would be represented, now remember, remember these are not literal animals, okay? They're used in symbolic sense, but though it's symbolic, it's symbolic of some reality. When people say to me, well, the lake of fire, there's no such thing as a lake of fire, it's only symbolic. I say, well, it's, if it's symbolic, it's symbolic of what? If it's symbolic, there must be a reality. And if the lake of fire is only symbol, and that's pretty hot, how many think the reality is going to be hotter than the symbol? That's what I'm saying. So the reality is always greater than the symbol used uh, to symbolize it. So we've got to keep that in mind. So it is a significant thing that uh, God has translated four men from earth to heaven. Uh, Enoch would be, be represented in the eagle. And Moses, who was translated after his uh, uh, death and resurrection, would be represented in the ox. And then Elijah would be, be represented in the man. And then uh, Jesus would be represented in the line of the tribe of Judah. So we have four representative men in heaven, and uh, one of the writers I know is going to be with the Lord now, but he says that this is a tremendous picture that all the redeemed of all ages will gather under their representative men. So those in the time of the patriarchs will gather under, uh, under Enoch, the eagle. Those under the time of Moses, the law, will gather under the oxen, under Moses representing the oxen, and those under Elijah in the time of the prophets will gather under, under, uh, under Elijah. And then those who are converted under Christ and in this Christian dispensation will gather under the Lord Jesus Christ. Who do you think is going to have the most? <laughs> Jesus. The, the most tribes were gathered down here. So, so God must have had something in mind. So what John is actually seeing, he's seeing some of the things from the Old Covenant and uses New Covenant language or Old Covenant language to describe New Covenant reality. So uh, there are just some thoughts on the four living creatures. So four symbols and so many angles. Okay, one other thought I'll say on this. Uh, these four living creatures have also been likened to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew is the Gospel of the Lion, the Gospel of the King. Mark is the gospel of the ox, the sacrifice. Luke is the gospel of the man. And uh, uh, John's gospel, yes, the heavenly one, the eagle, is the gospel of the eagle. So there's just so many fours that we can uh, go through there, but all tremendous pictures. So remember, they're not literal, actual creatures, uh, but they're used in symbolic sense here, the same as uh, John goes on to talk about the Lamb of God. Alright, so that's the picture that we have there. Now, let's go to the 24 elders. Make a comment on them. Now, when 
we look at the uh, the, the uh, whole picture here, in fact, uh, let's put it this way. John, John, as we're going to see, is looking at a whole order of worship here. Uh, he's looking at, we saw yesterday, God, who's in the throne, the one in the throne, described as light, unapproachable, blazing glory. And then before the throne, we have the Lamb. And then in relation to the Lamb, we have the, uh, uh, the four living creatures. I'll just uh, read out this, the living ones. Then the next we have is the 24 elders. Right, we'll just hold it there for the moment. So we have God, uh, God on the throne, and we looked at the throne very much yesterday. And now the four living creatures uh, representing the, the redeemed. Now, in relation to the Lamb, we see the 24 elders on thrones uh, gathered round the Lamb. The Lamb is central. And I think the, the Lamb, that expression, the Lamb of God, is used about 28 times in the book of Revelation. It is the revelation of Christ in His finished work, His sacrifice. And uh, in, in, in Revelation chapter 5, it's very interesting. Where John says, I saw a Lamb as it had been slain, uh, the whole Greek thought there is, uh, a, a lamb is as if it had been freshly slain. In other words, the sacrifice of Christ is eternally fresh. It's as fresh today as it was when it took place on Calvary. The, the sacrifice of Christ, eternally fresh, so the, the lamb. And so, so tremendous, we could spend the whole hour on this too, because all the elders, I've got down the bottom here, relationship and commitment, their eldership, they must all be related to the lamb, have the nature of the lamb, and also they must be related to other. So if you're uh, in a local church, I, I, I speak on this, if eldership are going to work together as a team, they must pick up the nature and the character of the lamb. Otherwise, we're going to have uh, fight the good fight with all your might amongst the elders. But if the elders are related to the lamb and pick up the lamb nature, that's the only way an eldership can work together. Everybody said amen to that? Alright, so that's the picture that we have here, the Lamb and the 24 elders on that part. Alright, now. Now when we go back to the, uh, the, the Tabernacle of Moses and uh, the Temple of Solomon, we see this whole, whole order of worship here. Hold of my notes here. So the four stands, four living creatures, the 24 elders. Now, what, what John is seeing in chapter 4 and 5, he's seeing the whole order of worship. And I want to add a couple of other things because uh, we're leading into it. Uh, in the next chapter, say chapter 7 particularly, we're going to look at the 144,000 in, in Greek here. And then this is the picture. So let's let's look at the order. This, this is, as I said, you know, John's using old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, and so we have to look at it this way. Now, in the old uh, in the old covenant, uh, in the old covenant, we're not going to understand Book of Revelation uh, without, as we've seen, the Tabernacle of Moses and also the Tabernacle of David. Now, this is what I want you to see here. In the tabernacle of Moses, now, this is God's heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly sanctuary. And all earthly sanctuaries, whether it was the tabernacle of Moses, or the tabernacle of David, or the temple of Solomon, they were just shadows on earth of the heavenly reality. So they were just earthly shadows of heavenly reality. 
Now, when, when we're combining Tabernacle of Moses and now Tabernacle of David in this order of worship, because Tabernacle of Moses gives you the order of approach to God, Tabernacle of David gives you the order of worship before God. So it's important to pick that up. So Tabernacle of Moses, order of approach to God through blood. Tabernacle of Moses, uh, Tabernacle of David is the order of worship. So it would go like this. The Tabernacle of Moses, as we've been uh, looking at a little bit here. So we come to God through the blood, washing of water by the word, enter the holy place, golden lampstands, the table of showbread, altar of incense, which we look at in chapter 8 and then later on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, once the tab, that's the TM, Tabernacle of Moses, not transcendental, transcendental meditation. Okay, we'll get that right. Now, once David set up the Tabernacle of David, TD, then the Ark was transferred over to here to Zion. This is Sinai, and this is Zion. So the only article of furniture that was transferred to the Tabernacle of David was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in the Tabernacle of David, David set up, according by the Spirit, according to the word that God gave him, a whole order of worship. So originally there were dedicatory sacrifices which would be represented in the Lamb. And after David offered the animal sacrifices, no more animal sacrifices were after that, after the dedicatory sacrifice in this tabernacle. Now, this is the picture of worship that David sets up. And there's an excellent book by a close friend of mine called The Tabernacle of David. If you haven't got it, it's well worth buying. <laughs> so this is what David did. In, in, in the worship scene, there were four chief singers. Four chief singers. David and three others together. So there were four chief singers here. Then David set up all the singers and the priests in courses of 24. There were 24 priests on duty 24 hours a day worshiping. So there were thousands and thousands of priests but there was always so, so people say to me, well, where the four living creatures, are they literal or symbolic? Are they an actual number of 24 elders? Are they an actual number or symbolic? They are both. They're actual and representative. Both. It's not one against the other. It's, oh, well, they only represent it. Oh, no, it's only symbolic. No, they're both. See, you know, thesis, antithesis, balance is always down the middle. Synthesis. They're both. So there were thousands of priests in Israel, but there was always 24 priests on duty, 24 hours a, a day, and maybe just put down the chapters because of time always. So First Chronicles chapter uh, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, all those chapters, First Chronicles 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, all those chapters are given to David setting up the whole order of 24. So the captains in the army, they were in 24s. The singers and the musicians, they were in 24. The priests were in 24. There was 24 courses on duty 24 hours a day. And everything was in 24,000s, representing. So they were a literal, actual number of 24, yet they were also representative of the thousands. So that's the picture. So four chief singers, 24 priests, uh, on duty 24 hours a day. And then listen to this. You'd think the Bible was inspired. David had uh, 
288 singers, further singers here, and if you divide 2 by into a, uh, 2 into 288, you get 144. So in the Tabernacle of David, you've got 4, 24, 144, worshipping Mount Zion, so Mount Zion, and that's the picture you've got in Revelation chapter 4 and 4, he's 4 and 5. He's seeing a worship scene because where did David get that whole vision from? He got it from heaven. And so David just established on earth the worship scene that's in heaven. So God the Father in the throne, the Lamb before the throne, four chief singers or four living preachers here, 24 elders, elder priests on duty, 24 elders, literal, actual 24 persons, uh, but also representative of the thousands, because they sing, they, they sing the song. You redeemed us to God out of every kindred, every time, every tribe and nation, and there's more than 24 nations. So that's a literal, actual, representative number. And then later on, uh, John sees 144,000, and where are they? On Mount Zion. Now let's add to this. These 24 elders, they have two articles uh, in, the, in their hand. First of all, they have harps, and they're harping on their harps. <laughs> like I've seen some people do, always harping on their harp, uh, just symbolically there. Okay, harping. Where did the harp come from? It's an instrument of music and worship from the tabernacle of David. So take the harp, sing a new song of the Lord. They are also singing a new song. Now the first mention we have of new songs is in connection with the tabernacle of David. You go through the Psalms, sing unto the Lord a new song, take a harp, an instrument of ten uh, strings, and sing unto the Lord a new song. I will sing a new song. And so the whole, the whole of the tabernacle of David is a worship scene. Now, one other thing that they have, showing that that's not abolished in that sense, they also have harps, but they also have in their hands uh, bowls of incense which are the prayers of saints. So you'll notice the harp prays, incense prayer. So flap both wings. If you only flap one wing, you go around in circles. So the whole, the whole of the scene in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, so that, that, that to me is the glory of the thing. Revelation 4 and 5, uh, John is seeing the worship scene in heaven, the reality of what was shadowed on earth in the tabernacle of David. So 4, 24, 144, uh, 288 singers, which is a multiple of 2 by 144. Here in the Revelation is taken to its thousands. And whatever the you know, significance of numbers is used here, when it's taken to the thousands, it's just intensifying the truth of that number. That's all in its thousands. Mount Zion, harps, incense, sing unto the Lord a new song. So, you know, applying practically here, we're all called to be kings and priests unto God. And notice this, that these elders, I think I read that verse, they sang the new song and said, you called us to be kings and priests unto our God, and we should reign on earth. And they had their harps, they sang the new song, they had bowls of incense, and that. Now, this whole thing here, the harp comes from the tabernacle of David, and David was a king. The incense comes from the tabernacle of Moses. And Moses was a priest. 
So in this combination, we have Moses as the priest, David as the king, or in other words, the king-priest offers a combined in one person. Now what's that telling us? The whole picture is Hebrews chapter 7, the order of Melchizedek. How many hear what I'm saying here? Nobody. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay. The order of Melchizedek. And what is the order of Melchizedek? See, Aaron, the order of Aaron, he was just a priest. But the office of king-priest was never combined. They were never combined in the Old Testament. Uh, anybody who tried to usurp authority, tried to combine the office of king-priest, uh, they were judged by God. So the office of priest was distinctly the tabernacle of Moses. But David, the office of king-priest, David touched priesthood, even though he was not a priestly tribe, but he touched it because of this revelation, and David was a king. But in the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek is both king and priest. That's the whole picture we have. So that's what John is seeing. He's taking old covenant language to describe new covenant realities, but passing it through the cross. So that's the picture we have, the heavenly sanctuary. How many think that's an awesome picture? How many think the Bible could be inspired? Just, just a wee little bit. 24 elders. So four living creatures, 24 elders. All right, now, um, one other thing I'd like to say on that part there. What's that clock? It seems to go so fast when I'm speaking. <laughs> I don't know whether there's a little demon in the kick of its hands or what. Alright. Now, okay, so that's the picture that we have here. The tabernacle of David. So in, uh, in Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, we're sort of being taken to a tabernacle of Moses' scene with a golden lampstand. And Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we're taken to the tabernacle of David's scene uh, and this whole order of worship. That's the tremendous picture that we have there. All right, now, uh, just one other thing I want to give you, and uh, I mean, so inexhaustible. I'll exhaust you before I would exhaust him. Um, another thought about the 24 elders, uh, in, in, in spiritual practical sense, I think there's a, a whole session there we could do uh, speaking to eldership, those who lead and represent the church before God and lead the worship and so forth. I think that's a tremendous picture there. A lot of lessons of the elders in relationship to the Lamb and relationship to the other. Uh, that would take me a whole hour to do that properly. Uh, but so here's another thing. People say, well, who are the uh, 24 elders? All right, this is what I, I believe, and this, uh, there's a number in my school that believe this. Um, everybody finished with this famous diagram? <laughs> Remember, all this stuff is copyright. <laughs> As they tell me in, in, in Malaysia, we copied it, right? <laughs> so, well, it doesn't quite mean that. It's copyright. Well, we copied it, right? <laughs> smart cookies here, aren't you? <laughs> all right, now, uh, just, uh, just a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, the school that I belong to would hold this. Some just say, well, the 24 elders just representative of the worship of the redeemed and so forth. That's, that's true. I'm happy with that. But I think there's something uh, uh, even beneath the surface reading. You know, people surf the net. And people just surface read the word. Uh, the number 20... Some of you will get that tomorrow morning. Uh, 24 equals 2 by 12. 
So this is what I believe. This is a school. I believe that these 24 elders represent uh, two lots of 12 apostles. So the first 12 apostles uh, are seen in the apostles of the Lamb. So the 12 apostles of the Lamb, unique. There'll never be another 12 like them. So the first 12 are apostles of the Lamb. And, uh, and the thing is, people say, well, that's not true. But listen, uh, most of the commentaries would agree with this first part. And say, well, John, it was, was John one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb? We all say yes. So actually, he's seeing himself up there. So, oh, there's me up there. I'm not dead yet, but there I am. Wow, brilliant. Okay. All right, so 12 apostles of the Lamb are the first 12. And then... Uh, the school, I mean, they say in the last day before the second coming of Christ, there's going to be another 12 apostles uh, that will be uh, leading the church to its completion and that they are represented in Revelation chapter 12, the 12 stars on the crown of the woman representing the church, the bride of Christ. So it's 12 last day apostles. Now, I believe there's a, a lot of valid thought in that and I can only give you one example. Uh, of this uh, 12 last day apostles uh, in, in, in say the bride city uh, in Revelation chapter 21, 22 we find that there are 12 apostles in the, of the land and their names are in the foundation of the city so the foundation of the bride city their names are there specifically named there but then in the gates of the city we have 12 unnamed messengers uh, they're unknown, but they are messengers, apostolic, two lots of twelve. And so from the foundation of the church right through uh, to the perfection of the church, that's the picture, two lots of twelve. Now, taking a, uh, just one Old Testament picture of this, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in the book of Exodus and so forth right through to Joshua, we have a, quite a, a tremendous picture there because this thing seems to happen over and over again in God's mind. God keeps repeating things. So under, under Joshua, when they go to enter the promised land, this is the picture that we have. Joshua takes 12 stones into the river Jordan. 12 stones into Jordan. Then the ark of God, we are told, is 2,000 cubits ahead. As the ark goes ahead, and then when they crossed the River Jordan, 2,000 cubits with the priests and the ark, uh, they crossed the River Jordan. Then jo uh, Joshua takes 12 stones out of Jordan. So 12 into Jordan, 2,000 cubits here of the ark, and then 12 stones out of Jordan. Two lots of 12, uh, 24, 2,000 cubits. So we would say in this, looking at this overall picture, Twelve apostles of the Lamb in the foundation of the church. Two thousand cubits representing this church era, without setting any dates or time. And then the perfection of the church and completion of the church, twelve last day apostles, two lots of twelve. And uh, that, that's, that's only one example or two examples I've given you, one from the Bride City and one from Joshua. But in my studies over the years I've found God has done this quite a lot of times. He's had twelve here. 12. There were 12 men under Moses, 12 men under Joshua. Under David, there was 12 men. Under Solomon, there was another 12. It just seems God had this two lots of 12s under different ministries. 
which I believe all points to uh, the, uh, the, the 24 hours. So there's many pictures that we can look at on this, but uh, you know, for those who say, well, this is very controversial and so forth, okay, say this, we're safe on this. We're, we're, this is the whole order of worship that we have. God, the Lamb, the four living ones, the 24 elders, 144,000, and the hosts of the redeemed. That's the picture that we have. Now, I want you to go over to, um, oh, that's all we can do on that, that part. Uh, let's go down to page, uh, page five, yeah, the bottom of page five, and try and pick up a few thoughts here. And the heavenly lamb and the seven seal book. Now remember that I said the lamb is mentioned some, uh, I think, 28 times in this book. The book of Revelation is, is the book of the lamb. All right, now let's look at this, uh, this on, on, on the book here. So let's get, let's get the scene here because I want to add something to this. Uh, I should have left it on here. God on the throne, the Father, land before the throne, and the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and the, later on the 144,000, and we have harps and sing a new song, and then the, the hosts of the redeemed, and then the angelic hosts. If you want to uh, uh, put that on there too, the angelic hosts. So we've got a whole order of worship here. Now, let me throw this on the practical side. We're just having fellowship this morning. And uh, I really believe it's important that before, before uh, you know, when, when John's caught up on the Spirit and he sees uh, this book here, which we want to talk about, sees the book and he wept much because nobody uh, in heaven or earth or under the earth was worthy to take the book and to break the seals thereof. Now, so John knew what that book was. I want to give you three illustrations of that from, from the Old Testament in the moment. And so he knew what the book was. And uh, so one of the elders came to John and said, all right, don't we, uh, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So now we have another picture that's thrown in here, uh, the Lamb and the Lion. He is the Lamb in his first coming. He is the Lion in his second coming. He is the sacrifice in his first coming. He is the King in his second coming. He is the victim in his first coming. Is the victor in his second coming. That, that's the whole picture. So the lamb, the lion. Uh, people say, how does the lion and the lamb sit down together? Well, they do. <laughs> they do in the person of Jesus Christ. The lamb is his human nature. The lion is the divine nature. Was Jesus the priest or the sacrifice? He was both. In his divine nature, he was the priest. In his human nature, he's the sacrifice. So on Calvary, he, the priest, offered himself the lamb as the living sacrifice. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's the whole picture. And so that was uh, another reason that necessitated the incarnation because Jesus had to have human and divine natures in order to fulfill these things that we're talking about. So in his human nature, he was the offer, offering. In his divine nature, he was the offering. Uh, the offer, offerer. That's right. Got that? Thank you. <laughs> All right, so now we have the lion lamb. So uh, the elder said, Don't weep the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he turned to see the lion, but he saw the lamb. So we have the uh, two natures in the one person, the lion lamb. 
the lines, uh, the line of the tribe of Jews prevailed to open the book now. We have to add another little part of the picture. He's the line of the tribe of Judah, which comes from David. So he's the son of David, he's the root of David, he's the offspring of David, yet he's David's Lord. So all parts of the divine jigsaw puzzle. So he says, don't weep, the line of the tribe of Jews prevailed to open the book and to break the seals uh, thereof. Now, I'd like you to take down a couple of thoughts on this. Um, uh, uh, over, the, uh, over the years, in our fellowship, uh, I don't say it now, uh, people would say to me often, oh, I didn't get anything out of worship this morning. So what was my response? You didn't get anything out of the worship? Well, there was nothing in the worship for me this morning. You? Nothing in it for you? Hey, who's worship for? <laughs> <laughs> huh? yeah. Did God get anything out of it? I thought worship was for God. Now I'm sure nobody here in Malaysia would say that. <laughs> but Larry would become almost idolatrous in music. And we worship, we, we praise worship and we worship praise and we praise music. And, but we miss God. See, anything that comes between us and God, even music, can be idolatry. Because yeah. it's God. It's all about Jesus. We've been singing, right? And you say amen to that and say amen on this point. Yeah. You know? Okay, so, so when you didn't get anything out, well, worship is not for you. Worship is for God. So the thing I want you to pick up here is, when the Lamb came and took the book out of him, out of his hand, who sat on the throne, before he broke the seals open, open any of the seals, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, everybody just fell down. The angels, everybody just fell down before God and began to worship. And it was in that atmosphere of worship the Lamb began, began to break the seals and give understanding to John. What am I saying? Worship precedes the opening of the book. That's the sentence I want you to pick up. Worship precedes the opening of the book. A worshipping church, a churches, I'm not talking about a musical church. You can have music and not have worship. And I love music. I'm a musician, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> not, a, not a powerful one. Nobody's ever asked me to sing. They did ask me. Yeah, they did ask me to sing Silent Night on a Hill Far Away. <laughs> I've got a beautiful voice, just a rough passage out. <laughs> I get jealous, that's all. Uh, so so you, could, you, could have, you could have music and still not have worship. Because uh, worship is something from the Spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Alright, so I said all that to say this. So worship precedes the opening of the book. And I find churches that are really worshipping the Lord, not just musical churches, I love music, but worshipping churches are churches that are having the word open to The worship precedes the opening of the book. So, I, I don't know, you know, many times, many times uh, when I'm studying the word, so, so, sometimes, because, I, I, you know, just to encourage you here, when I come to this word, you know, this is my attitude, Lord, I come, Holy Spirit, you wrote this word. You inspired this word. Now, as I'm going to study your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll just bring holy thoughts to me 
and just help me to understand the word that you inspire. And I just try and come in my time of study just in the spirit of worship. And uh, this is no conceit on my part, it's just a fact because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit is come, he will take up the things of, uh, of me and make them real to you. And sometimes things are coming to me so fast. And I say, Holy Spirit, slow down, please. You're talking too fast. Just let me write that down. What was that now, please? We made it. Yeah, slow down a little bit. Go too fast. And, and, and that's the truth. That's not just, you know, it's not a funny. It's truth. Some things are just coming. And, and, and do we believe it? Do we believe the Holy Spirit lives in us? Do we believe the same Holy Spirit who inspired this word lives in us? And he said, when Jesus said, when the Spirit is coming, don't take the things of mine and, and show them unto you. He'll, he'll glorify Christ. He'll show you things. How, how many believe that? Amen. If we're a Spirit-filled church, it should happen. Yeah. In Spirit-filled churches, I believe that. Don't you? Yeah. All right, so all that in an atmosphere of worship. So John in that atmosphere of worship. Now, I want you to just make a note of this part here because the word book, now, now, Am I going too fast here? You know, I'm, I'm calling it a mind. So I'm a thousand things. Remember that Revelation chapter 4, the key thing there is the word, what? Throne. Okay? Revelation chapter 5, the key word in this passage is the book. So that, that's, that's the key. Revelation 4, the throne. Revelation 5, the book. Now the word book is used at least uh, eight times. Now, just make a note of this. I'll be very merciful. I was going to ask you to take it down, but I being of a kind nature, well, I never do. <laughs> okay, now, just make a note of Strong's and Cordons. And what I've done is taken out of Strong's and Cordons, just photocopied this bit here, and I note the use of the word book. And I'd like you to uh, uh, put down some of the things here, just to say, because we want to look at what, what actually is this book that John is looking at. What, what is the book? And I want to give you three pictures because John's mind, as I said, is saturated uh, with old, old uh, covenant realities. All right? So uh, let's look at what we've got here. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, 5, 7, 8, and 9. The word book in this chapter here is used at least eight times. Now, I want you to make a note of the books that are in the book of Revelation because this is the book of books. All right, so number one here, uh, up here, Revelation chapter one. So I'd like you to put down one, two, three, four, five on this uh, here. Okay, uh, uh, what you see, write it in a book and send it to the, to the seven churches. So number one, he's referring to the book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation. So Revelation, the book of books, I want you to pick that up. So number one, write in the book. And down, way down here, it says, anyone that takes away the, the words of the book of this prophecy, uh, and uh, which are written in this book, and the words of the prophecy in this book, and the sayings of the prophecy of this book, which keep the sayings of this book, sayings of the prophecy of this book. You'll notice that. Uh, this book, this book, this book, this book. Right there, particularly Revelation 20. So number one is the book of Revelation. Number two, the second book, that is mentioned is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. So Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. Uh, he that uh, overcomes will walk with me in white and I will not blot his name out of, number two, the book of life. So we have the book of Revelation, then Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, the book of life. 
And the book of life is referred down here also, uh, written in the book of life, which was not found written in the book of life. Uh, so if you're going through this, and I'll say, take Strong's and and go through every reference to book, and you'll find it ends up about five different types of books. Okay, so number two, the book of life. All right, number three, uh, just put this down, and I'll say it in a moment here, the seven seal book. So what is this seven seal book? We know the book of Revelation, we know the book of life. What is this seven seal book? Okay, now, uh, number four, Revelation chapter 10, and the several verses there, John sees a little open book in the hand of this uh, mighty angel. We'll look at that later on. So uh, a little open book. Let me just say my statement and prove it later on. That book there is the book of Daniel. So number four, the little open book in chapter 10 is the book of Daniel. I'll make the statement and uh, uh, hopefully prove it to you later on. And then going down to uh, number five now, go down to... Um, Uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, okay, down to books, thank you, that's right, down to books, uh, yes, thank you. Number, number five, way down in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12, uh, the books were opened. And so the books here are the book of every man's life. So there's a, a life story, a book on each of our lives, and I think, oh God, there's a book written on Kevin Connor's life story. A, uh, not an autobiography, an angel biography. <laughs> so I'll only put good things in the book, please. So, and we are judged out of those books. So the, the book of the record, the book of works, the book of every man's life. So that's the picture that we have. All right, so the books of the Revelation. Okay, now just before we take a few minutes break, let me give you three things about this book here. Okay. So, uh, Revelation chapter 5, we're going back to that. Now, there are three pictures that I've picked up from the, from the Old Testament here. And I'm just trying to find my little notes on that. Deuteronomy chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, just, I, uh, we haven't got time to read it, but Deuteronomy chapter 17, the first picture I want to give you is this the Deuteronomy chapter 17? Uh, the, the law was in that chapter, when Israel would set a king up over them, this is what they were to do. The king, once he got, uh, listen carefully to the language, because that's why I'm being careful on the language here. The king, once he got into the throne, what was he to do? He was to take the book of the law and he was to write himself a copy of the book. So number one, first picture we've got here, the king in the throne. So every king in Israel, and you can see how many of them didn't do it. That's why they were failures. But every king in Israel was, once he got into the throne, he was to write a book of the law. He was to study that book. He was to read the book, meditate on the book day and night. And... Um, uh, and do the things that are written in the book. Well, you know how many good kings of Israel there were. They were bad, bad kings. So most of them, there's only about five good kings. So what we're seeing here is the ultimate. So the throne of the king on earth was only a shadow of the throne in heaven. 
And as the king on earth had to have a book in the throne, the book of the law, there was only a shadow of this book that's in the throne of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. So that's the first picture. John is seeing the book in the throne of the king of kings. Number two, the second picture that we have, and you can just put down the chapter, Deuteronomy chapter chapters 32 and 33, so Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 33, we have another tremendous picture there, and that was this, that in the nation of Israel, they were to, uh, as we've already looked at, in the Ark of the Covenant, I, 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 don't, I don't know how, how it was set, but in the Ark of the Covenant, they were to place the book, uh, our, our translation says, they would have placed the book in the side of the ark. So I don't know whether it was a pocket or what. I don't know how, how it was. But there was a book associated with the ark. Now the ark represents God's throne of the earth. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 33, just uh, several verses there, God said to Moses, every seventh year in the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Seventh Month, the priest was to go before the Ark of the Covenant and he was to take the book and Ezra gives us a brilliant example of this, the book of Ezra. He was to take the book and he was to open the book in the Feast of Tabernacles and give understanding to the people of Israel and teach them out of the book. So again you have a tremendous picture, the Ark and the book. The book in the throne of God in the earth. The ark was God's throne. And this book was opened, not in Passover, not in Pentecost, but in the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the Seventh Month. That's loaded with significance for Revelation. All right, now, number three, the last picture, then we'll take a break, is found in um, Jeremiah chapter 32, I think it is, Jeremiah chapter 32. And by memory here, just put a question mark after that. In Jeremiah chapter 32, what we find is happening is that the um, house of Judah is going into Babylonian captivity. And uh, so God said to Jeremiah, uh, your nephew, I think it was, or your niece, is going to come to you and he's going to say to you, I want you to buy my land because he was losing his inheritance. And so Jeremiah, according to the word of the Lord, he bought the land, God told him to buy the land. And then this is the beautiful picture, and this is sort of the ultimate of what we're seeing here. Uh, Jeremiah was to write the evidence of the lost and purchased inheritance because Jeremiah was a kinsman redeemer. He was to write it in a book. And he was to seal one of those books before witnesses. Then also he was to have another book that was opened. So briefly summarized, because that's a whole hour it's worth there. It was the book of redemption of a lost inheritance. When the captivity ended, the kinsman redeemer or the rightful inheritors, they would come and say, here's the book. We have the right as a kinsman redeemer to break the seals of the book and claim the lost inheritance. Summarize, the book that John is looking at here is the book of redemption, of a lost inheritance that we lost in Adam. Jesus is the kinsman redeemer as the lamb sacrificed and risen. That's the tremendous picture. 
I mean, no, no wonder John, whose mind is saturated with all this, just fell down and worshipped. I really love to worship him. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.